Amen. Y'all, uh, today is the conclusion of the series entitled, Our God of Second Chances. And I, for one, am not necessarily glad that the series is over, but I'm glad for the God of Second Chances. Amen. Uh, I have needed chance after chance, and God has always been there to provide for me uh, the title of your message, which is God's Relentless Mercy. Relentless means it just keeps on coming. It just keeps on coming. So God wants to apply that mercy to your life. Let me begin by telling you about one baseball game where a baseball umpire called Babe Ruth out on strikes. The crowd fiercely booed the umpire. And, the, and Babe Ruth turned to the ump and he said, there are 40,000 people that know that that last pitch was not a strike. And man, all the players and coaches, they just knew that Babe Ruth was going to get ejected from the game. But instead, the cool-headed umpire just quietly made this reply. He said, maybe so, babe, but the only opinion that counts is mine. I think one of the truths that emanate from this series of messages is this. God's judgment is the only judgment that counts. Your judgment of somebody else don't count. Uh, my judgment of somebody else don't count. Nobody else's opinion of you really counts. God is not interested in any party, any interest group, or any government his judgment is the only judgment that counts. However, that reminds us also that we must resist. Sometimes we don't like the decisions that God makes. But we can't get disappointed or angry. Because like it or not, we need to learn to trust God's Sovereign choices. Listen, God knows what he's doing. Somebody say amen. He knows what he's doing. Well, here in Jonah's story, we have found Jonah is having a really hard time with the decision God's making. He's having a hard time getting on the same page as God. And so we realize by that statement that we also sometimes have a difficult time getting on the same page as God. So this story not only speaks to Jonah, but it speaks to you and I as well. After Jonah boarded that ship heading in the opposite direction from where God told him to go, we've learned that there, the cause of a terrible storm that almost sank the ship was Jonah. And as a result, Jonah's shipmates toss his tail overboard. Amen. And as Jonah is sinking to the depths of the sea, God provides. God provides a great fish that swallows up Jonah and ultimately vomits him onto the shore. But there's more to the story than God's discipline of Jonah. God wanted to give Jonah a second chance. God wants to give us a second chance. God wanted to give Jonah 
an opportunity to change his heart and change his mind about the work that God wanted to do in the evil people of a city called Nineveh. But Jonah, he didn't want to go to Nineveh. He didn't want to go where God told him to go. He would have been just fine if every man, woman, and kid was struck dead by God right then and right there. Over the years, the people of Nineveh had slaughtered many, many Israelites. And they deserved what was coming from God. And Jonah wanted some payback. He wanted to get his pound of flesh. And so Jonah finally does go to Nineveh and he preaches what God tells him to preach. He preaches, 40 days from now, and Nineveh is going to be toast. But then something crazy happens. Those evil, wicked people in Nineveh, they actually respond to God. They actually believe the message that Jonah was preaching and they decide that they're going to do something about it and they turn from their evil ways. They turn from their sin. And when God saw that those evil, wicked people had turned from their evil ways, God had compassion on those people. God had mercy on those people, and he did not destroy them. And we learn that mercy triumphed over judgment. That's good news for you and I. Somebody say amen. Today, we're going to see that while God's anger was quenched by his mercy, there was somebody else that was still mad. Jonah. Here Jonah is a recent recipient of God's grace. Here Jonah is, one who would have drowned had it not been for the mercy of God to send that fish. Here Jonah is, one who has been rescued and used for the glory of God. But instead of reflecting the mercy that he received, Jonah cops an attitude. He cops an attitude, and instead of showing compassion toward people who are in dire need of the same mercy that he received from God, Jonah gets all puffed up, and he gets angry at God. But friend, the story, it's not really about Jonah. The story is not really about that fish. This story is not really about Nineveh's rebellion. This story is not really about Jonah's rebellion. It's not about any of those things. The story of Jonah is really about the very heart of God. The very heart that God has for people, whether they know him, Here's what we learn from this story. God loves all people. 
He loves all people. God has a passion for all people who know him. God has a passion for all people who don't yet know him. God has a passion for all the people of the world, even those who are wicked and reject him. That's crazy mercy right there. So today in this final chapter, I want to point out to you four ways that God shows his love for all people. And I'm just going to break it down into little bite-sized chunks as we go point to point. The first being, God reveals his love through compassion. Now on page 817 in the Bibles in front of you, in Jonah chapter 4, the last chapter in that four-chapter book, I want to read a few verses about this. But when Jonah saw that the Ninevites had turned from their evil ways, it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. And so he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord. Sounds like my kids sometimes, amen. Oh, Lord. Was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore, Lord, now, Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And then the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? You know, anger can be so irrational sometimes. If you boil anger down to its basic elements, anger is nothing more than a temper tantrum. Just like a kid, we don't get our way, and so we're going to throw a temper tantrum. We're going to show that person that I'm angry. You need to know that I'm mad. Well, that's exactly what Jonah was doing. But anger always fails, and it was certainly true of Jonah. Jonah has gone AWOL again. Now, the first time he went AWOL, he went absent without leave. This time he's gone AWOL, and he's angry without love. Totally counter to the character of God. I mean, I would expect God's man. The prophet of God's message to jump for joy. To be full of thankfulness for the mercy that God showed to those wicked people in Nineveh. But as far as Jonah's concerned, there are just some things that you can't forgive. And so Jonah actually begins to complain about the mercy of God. Jonah's thinking goes something like this. I knew it. I knew it. That's why I ran away. I figured that those Ninevites might temporarily turn from their sinful ways. And I knew you'd have mercy. But God, they don't deserve your mercy. 
They don't deserve it. So although these Ninevites, they didn't deserve it, Jonah realized that God is not going to turn them into toast. So we got the real problem here. The real problem is, is that Jonah wants God to act one way and God ain't doing it. He wants God to act one way, the way he believes that God should act. But listen, God ain't taking orders from anybody, including Jonah. And because God won't take his orders, Jonah gets so frustrated. He gets so frustrated so much that he asks the Lord to take his life, to kill him, to get, he asks for death. If God won't give those evil Ninevites what they deserve, then Jonah just wants to check out. And although Jonah deserves it, although Jonah deserves it, God doesn't scold him from heaven. God just asks that simple, gentle question. Jonah, do you have any right to be angry? Jonah, do you have any right to complain? So friend, when you see the wickedness in the world that we live in, be careful. God might not have to ask that question of you. Do you have any right to be angry? That I'm showing mercy? Unless that they're still living? That I haven't just torched them right then and there? Do you have any right to complain about them? What about the person you saw in the mirror? So that brings us to the second way that God reveals his love. And that is, not only does God reveal his love through compassion, God also reveals his love in a classroom. Check it out in verse 5. And so Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. And there Jonah made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what might become of that city. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. And Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm and the worm damaged the plant so much so that it withered. And when that happened, the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he grew faint and he wished death for himself and said, it's better for me to die than it is for me to live. So here's what we got. We've got Nineveh over here praying for deliverance and we've got Jonah over here on the east side of the city Praying for destruction. Completely counter to what God wants. Jonah goes outside the city. He builds himself a little private hut. And he becomes a spectator. He wants to watch over that city. And watch God completely destroy it. 
So he's becoming a spectator. And I believe that Jonah's thinking went something like this. <laughs> yep. Once a Ninevite, always a Ninevite. Lord, you'll see. Don't forgive them too fast. Because you're going to see if you give them a little time, I promise you, they will hang themselves. Lord, you just wait. You just wait and see. You see, Jonah knows these people. And Jonah believes that they will eventually show their spots. They'll show their true colors one of these days. And then God will see, listen carefully, God will see that Jonah was right all along. Seems that Jonah thought he knew more than God. But instead of correcting Jonah like he should have, God chooses then to use the classroom of life to communicate with Jonah. God provides a shelter above Jonah's shelter. I kind of picture it as a vine with really, really broad leaves. And this vine grew up over his little private hut and provided shade for the hut. And that way, it was just cool as it was possibly going to be in that area. And for the first time in the whole story, you're never going to believe what's happened. Jonah is happy. Oh, he's so thrilled that he's able to sit in the shade and watch over the hill as he thinks that Nineveh is getting ready to get destroyed. Jonah is delighted. Absolutely delighted to be the beneficiary of God's grace again. Now, as soon as God provides the vine with those broad leaves, the next morning, he also provides a worm that completely wipes out the plant. And then, for good measure, he tacks on a hot, hot windstorm to make Jonah just as uncomfortable as he can be. Suddenly, guess what? Jonah's not happy anymore. He's not happy anymore. He's scorched. He's dehydrated. He's hot. He's miserable. He's sweating. And once again, Jonah is angry and he's ready to die. Is he not like me and you? He's just like us. Man, when God gives me the good things, man, we are celebrating. We're happy when God gives us the good things. But let something bad happen to me. And you know what I'm going to start doing? Whining. I'm going to start complaining about how bad Bill's got it. Jonah was nothing more different than me. And that brings us to the third way. That God shows his love to all people. And this is important. God reveals his love through a connection. A connection with himself. See, Jonah may be confused, but he ain't got no right to be angry. He'd already been shown mercy. He'd already been shown grace himself. And if anybody's got a right to be angry, it's God. It's God. Now that reminds me of an old Hebrew story that I read about Abraham sitting outside of his tent. And one night, he sees this old man on a journey, weary, tired, and he's coming toward Abraham's tent. 
And Abraham rushes out and he greets that old man and he invites him into his tent. He immediately washes his feet and he prepares him a drink and he prepares him some food. And immediately that man just sits down and starts devouring his meal. And Abraham said, well, don't you worship God? You didn't even say a prayer. You didn't even ask God to bless your food. And that old traveler said, I don't worship anything but fire. I don't worship any other God but fire. Well, when he heard this, Abraham took him out of the seat of the bridges and chunked him out of his tent. Threw him out. And after that old man left, God asked Abraham, where'd that old man go? And Abraham said, well, I forced him out of my tent, Lord, because he didn't worship you. And the Lord said to Abraham, he said, I have endured that old man for 80 years, even though he dishonored me every day. Could you not endure with him one night? It's just like us, isn't it? Yes, God hates sin. Yes, God hates evil. He hates violence of every kind more than we ever could know. Yet God exercises patience. God exercises long-suffering toward people and He gives second chances to people over and again so that they might turn from their sin and seek His He hopes that they'll turn from their evil ways and seek a relationship with God. He hopes that by him waiting and, and patiently enduring that they might turn from their sin and they might seek a connection with God. But here's Jonah's problem. Jonah is not seeing the world like God sees the world. Jonah is not viewing people the way God views people. And that's a problem for him. Instead, Jonah looks on this plant. He values a plant. Meanwhile, he's hating a whole nation of people. He's angry about the death of that plant. And he's so absorbed in self-centeredness while he watches as thousands upon thousands of men, women, and children take one more step toward destruction. As far as Jonah's concerned, mercy's all right for him to receive, but not for those people. It's all right for me, but it's not for thee. So while God was seeking a connection with those people, even in their wickedness, even in their evil, while God was seeking a connection, Jonah wanted them to suffer their consequences. And that leads us to the fourth and final way that this story really reveals the love of God for all people. And that is God reveals his love through concern. Through concern. 
Notice there in verse 11. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and much livestock? Now, this description of people who don't know their right hand from their left, I almost do that with right hand from their left, amen. <laughs> this description uh, tells us that there are a people that don't know the difference between good and evil. Right? Or so they say. It describes the people of Nineveh as being in moral bondage just like we once were. See, before you came to Jesus, you were under the same moral bondage that these people of Nineveh were under, no matter what you were doing. And the Apostle Paul talks about this as far as we're concerned about how God looked upon us before we came to Christ. And here's what he said to the people at the church in Ephesus in chapter 2. He said, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of our mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Verse 4 is filled with great news for you and I. But God, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love, because of his great compassion, because of his great concern with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. For by grace, for by the grace of God, we are saved. Friend, these Ninevites were of little worth to Jonah. But they were of great worth, enormous worth to God. And so the story ends right there in verse 11. For the howl, as you mentioned in that first song, it ends right there in the presence of God. God has responded to Jonah's complaints, he's responded to his whining, he's responded to his poor attitude. And the story ends with a question, with no written answer, and that question is this, Jonah, should I pity those 120,000 men, women, and children who are in spiritual bondage so bad that it's making them live an evil and wicked life. Well, there's no answer given. There's no verse 12 to that question. But, can I tell you that an answer is expected from you and me? Because just like he was asking Jonah this question, he's also asking you this question this morning. Should I pity 
the lost and the wicked people in your circle of influence at work? Should I pity those people who don't know Jesus at your school? Those people who don't know their right hand from their left? We're left there face to face with the love of God, the mercy, of the compassion of God. And the question begs to be asked, like God, are we concerned with those who don't seem to know their right hand from their left? You know, we always assume that God loves us more than our enemies. God loves me more than he does him. God loves me more than he does that evil person. We think to ourselves, well, at least I'm not as bad as they are. Listen, if you fall into that type of thinking, you totally misunderstand the heart of God. If you fall into that type of thinking, you don't see others the way God sees others. Friend, listen, people are in trouble. People are lost. They are in danger of hell. And they're all around you. They're everywhere. Are you concerned about them like God is? God wants more than just obedience from us. God wants us to value what he values. People. People. Value people. God wants us to love all people. I read about a personal friend of Henry Ford who sold insurance and he once asked Mr. Ford, he said, how come you don't buy all your insurance policies from me? And Mr. Ford said to him, well, you never asked me. How many of our friends can say, you never asked me? You never asked me if I was a believer. You never asked me if I wanted to go to heaven. You never even asked me to come to church. You never asked me. Friend, God's passion is for people. And he uses you and me to reach those people. Do you share God's concern? Like God, do you have a passion for people? If you do, then you're going to need to be willing to act on that passion. You need to be willing to act even when you find it difficult. And a lot of times it is difficult. You're going to have to be willing to act on God's passion even if they're neck deep in sin. You need to be willing to act on God's passion even if they deserve punishment. Even if they deserve the judgment of God. You still have to act. You need to come to grips, friend, with the fact that the people you know are no more and no less God's concern than you are. You just have been afforded forgiveness. You've been afforded a relationship with God. But they just haven't yet. So be willing to act on God's passion. But can I say, be willing to reflect God's passion too. 
I mean, there are lost people all around. And the, their reflection of God breaks his heart. It should break ours too. Be willing to act on the passion of God. Be willing to reflect the passion of God. But finally, don't you ever stop sharing the passion of God. I pray that you will let God move into your life an unbeliever. I pray that God will move an unbeliever into your life at work, at school, during the school year. I want him to bust into your circle of friends. I pray God will move an unbeliever into the store where you're shopping. And you'll have a divine opportunity to show the love of God to that unbeliever. So what would you do if God was showing his passion for you? Would you receive it or would you reject it? I know what you'd do. You'd receive it. But if you have received it, the question has to be asked, are you acting on it? Are you acting on the love of God? If you've received it, are you reflecting the love of God? Are you sharing the love of God with people who don't know about the love of God? John 3.16 does an incredible job of summing up the point I'm trying to make today. For God so loved the world. Now God wasn't talking about a planet. He was talking about the people in it. For God so loved the people of the world that he gave his only begotten son. And here comes a huge word for you. That whosoever whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever. God has relentless mercy on whosoever. He has mercy for all people. And that's no stipulations. That's no conditions. That's no color. That's no nationality. That doesn't mean what they've done in their past. God has mercy for whosoever. And he wants you to act, reflect, and share the love that he has for those people. If you need to receive that love yourself, today is a decision day for you. You can walk out of here having received the love of God and the eternal life that comes through Jesus. And if you've already received it, you can walk out of this building knowing that you have a high and holy calling to act on the love of God, reflect the love of God, and share it. He uses you and I to reach them. Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you. I can't even believe that you would want to use the likes of me to reach a lost Dying, perverse and corrupted world. But your word is clear. Lord, you have relentless mercy for all people. Father, there's probably somebody in this building. Lord, somebody that has not received the love you offer through 
the sacrifice of your only begotten son, Jesus. Lord, let today be their day. Let, let them receive the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God that comes through faith in Jesus Christ so that they would not perish but have everlasting life. Father, I just pray that you'd speak to hearts and minds right now. And Lord, if there's a decision to be made today, let them have the courage and just the faith to step out, step forward, and Lord, just allow the privilege of praying with them and, and sharing your word with them so that they can know as they're walking out of this building that they belong to you. They can know that you love them beyond measure and that you want to use them to show all people your love. Have your will and your way in this decision time. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.